What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David and Isaac, and today we've got a special guest for you, our guy from the All Rookie Podcast, at William is Bill on Twitter, William Harris. Will, welcome to the show, man. How are you? I'm great. Great to be with you guys, finally on Sports Ethos Grizzlies. You know, it's been like two years since I was promised to come on the show. I'm finally here. I finally made it. Man, you, th- th- this is not your first time on the show, is it? It is. It is. What? Yeah, I, I think it is. Yeah, I was supposed to be I on don't here last year. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Look, well, I, I apologize. I dropped the ball on that. I know that we talked about it last year and why it didn't happen. I have absolutely no idea. It won't happen again. I'll do better moving forward. I'm sorry. All right. All right. <laughs> So we're, we're going to jump into uh, a number of different things in regards to draft picks. You guys know what, what season is. It's draft season. Unless something crazy happens, we're probably going to be talking about draft over the next few weeks here. We're going to start off with a couple of guys that Isaac and I like for the Grizzlies. And, and actually, one of these guys, Will, uh, projected that the Grizzlies are going to be looking at him. Uh, so we're going to start off with them, too. Then we're going to talk about the uh, – consensus top four and then we have an interesting comparison so i don't know which way we'll go in order but we're, we're definitely starting with the two guys that isaac and i like isaac i'll let you lead off man i didn't even give you much of a word in the show let's start off with your guy blake wesley this is a guy so where do you see him is he a guy that you like at 22 or is he a guy that you think that they can get later where do you think that uh the Grizzlies would pick him. Where do you think they'd be targeting him? Well, when you, when you look on most mocks, he's a guy that you see projected in, in that 20 to 30 range, uh, sometimes even early second round, depending on the mock you're looking at. But Blake Wesley is a 6'4", 187-pound guard, freshman student guard out of Notre Dame, uh, 6'11", wingspan, 19 years old, uh, average 14.4 points, uh, about four boards, two assists, a steal, um, 42, 42.1% from two-point range, 30 points. 3% from three-point range, uh, made about one and a half a game on five attempts, 54 of 178 overall. Free throw percent is not great at 65.7 for a guard. You definitely want to see it higher than that, man, but he's a really good athlete uh, with elite acceleration. Uh, he, he uses that to get to the basket. He navigates traffic really well. Uh, has a really smooth pull-up jump shot uh, that he uses a lot. Um, I would say that's probably his go-to move. Uh, good movement off the ball, uh, which you see at 6'4". I think that's going to be kind of a question going into the NBA. Is he going to be playing on the ball? Is he going to be a guy that plays mostly off the ball? But he does a good job of moving off the ball. So I think that's good for him going into the league. Uh, has really good body control. Um, can, can go to the mid-range pull-up, um, as I talked about. Uh, can knock down the three, but that's not exactly his forte. He's kind of streaky. When he gets hot, he can really knock it down from three. But a, a lot of times, he's kind of erratic from there. But I think he does have some upside. I think that's Shooting upside is definitely a, a positive for him. Uh, does a good job of, of, of creating, uh, uh, create one on one. When he has mismatches, he can attack off the off the dribble. Um, when he has mismatches, he can attack off the dribble and in the post um, against smaller guards. Guards has a good hezzy move. Uh, good passer. Uh, high high upside as a one on one perimeter defender. Man, just does a lot of a lot of things good. Uh, stays vertical defensively. Uh, disrupts. Uh, Post passes with link, gets in the passing lanes, gets steals. Uh, if there are things that he needs to work on, uh, doesn't finish well going left. Uh, does mostly everything with his right hand. That's something that definitely he's going to have to prove because NBA defenses are going to sit on that. Uh, most of his shots at the rim does, doesn't do a, 
do a good job of finishing through contact. Uh, needs to get stronger. Uh, but he really, really finished, struggles finishing over length. Um, and I think those are kind of some of the things that you look at with him that he definitely needs to improve in. Uh, he needs to improve on the left hand, definitely needs to improve finishing through contact. Uh, doesn't get to the line a lot because of that. And those are probably the two major, major issues with him. I like his length. You know, you mentioned six four, and a lot of times when we're talking about guys on the show, we're looking at bigger, longer wings. But the the fact that he does have the big plus wingspan, I think, allows him that you know he would be able to play the two and guard twos pretty well. And I think he could probably hold his own on one through three. It's going to be kind of matchup dependent on on the threes, but I, I like his ability to play off the ball. He. He's a much better pull-up shooter. I, I don't know how well he's going to do as a catch-and-shoot guy. You look at the percentages from three, and we, we've talked about it on the show here. Yeah. You can't always put a ton of weight into the stats that you see in college because guys evolve. Guys get better when they get around, better players, better coaches, You know, strength training programs at the NBA level. Thing You, you tend to see things improve. Uh, the one thing that, that's a little weird for me uh, on him he, he he is right-handed, but he kind of shoots the ball from the left side. Like yeah. when he catch when he catches the ball, his gather is on the left side, so he's got almost like a half swirl in, in his shot. It's not quite as um, it's not as bad as what Lonzo Balls was, but it's kind of in that same manner. And so I think that's something that uh, shooting coaches are going to look to work on with him, um, but. I don't think it's bad enough that it's going to keep him from scoring at the NBA level. You talk about his speed, his, his ability to get downhill, I think it is an elite, you know, that's something that he can do at an elite level. And he can shoot well enough that if they go under on a pick and roll, he's able to punish them. So, you know, I think that he's a guy that has upside playing off the ball, but he can also be a secondary playmaker and initiate the pick and roll if you need him to. Will, what what would you say are some strengths from Wesley? And do you like his fit for the Grizzlies? I think it's a pretty good fit. I think there are better fits for you guys. But, yeah, I caught that same thing you did. The first note I had on him was he has a very interesting form on his shot. So that's I like that we both noticed that. But he is a, still a good shooter. And he's a guy, Blake Wesley, that is, that kind of came out of nowhere. Um, he wasn't expected to be a one-and-done guy from all I've heard. So he made pretty much a good leap from coming into high school to college. I heard he wasn't really in the um, AAU circuits like that because of the COVID and, and pandemic and everything. And so he kind of blossomed in his first year with Notre Dame. And I think this is the worst you probably will ever see him. And that's really good. So I think he's only going to go up from here. And his uh, potential is through the roof. But I love his game. He can get to the rim at any time that he wants you know if this was a one-on-one competition he would be one of the best guys in it because uh he's hard to stop going to the rim and I definitely think he has a good shot that percentage is uh 30 percent you want to see that higher but I think that will be able to be improved but I love he has a super quick first step you know uh he's a good finisher in the paint has great bounce I love it when he gets past the guy He's going to throw it down. So I love his athleticism as well. Uh, I just don't know how he will fit with Memphis because, you know, you have obviously John Morant, Desmond Bain. I feel like with Kyle Anderson leaving, I know you have Dylan Brooks, but he could possibly be out the door. That's why I figure Marjan Beauchamp would be a good 
fit for y'all size wise. You know, he's six foot six. So uh, what do you guys think? You think you could use a Blake Wesley? And if you do pick him, are you expecting him to be a backup or what? And I was gonna say I was gonna say struggling a little bit with the voice, man. I'm a little under the weather, so I apologize to you guys. But um, Wesley, for for me, when I when I picked him, I'm not necessarily doing him as a, a fit for the Grizzlies, man. I'm just going through prospects and breaking them down as we go. So I don't know if he'll necessarily be a great fit for the Grizzlies. I do agree. I think Bochamp would be a better fit for for what they need. Uh, but I, I do think Blake Wesley. I think he has a lot of upside. I just think. Super young, man. He's only 19 years old, uh, the freshman. And as, as Will said, he wasn't a guy that was kind of billed as being this one-and-done guy. I mean, he's a guy that just kind of came out of nowhere, man. Got, had, a, had a solid season at Notre Dame and decided to enter the draft and find himself as a possible first-round pick. But I think you look at those numbers, 30% from three, I definitely think that's, that's something that he can improve on. I think he'll be a better shooter than that. Uh, has a lot of offensive ability. Uh, has the, the step-in you can do to – the one one-step dribble, uh, pull-up, I mean, I think he's really adept at that. He can get to the rim, as Will said, make him finish uh, when, when he gets there. But, I mean, just a, just a really solid player, man. A lot of a lot of things that he can prove on, but I think he'll be a solid player in the league. But I don't I agree. I don't think he'll necessarily be a great fit for the Grizzlies. Yeah, and as far as fit, honestly, you know, like where the Grizzlies are setting right now at, the, at 22 and 29, I, I don't know that there is a guy that could – Okay, let me back up. I'm not going to say that because if by if for some reason a guy like Jovic falls to 22, like I think he's a guy that could come in and possibly, like I I think he can crack the rotation, but I think that he has the talent to be a starter on this team, um, and not that these guys don't have the talent, but it's not that I I don't expect that from from them in year one, and not that I would expect it from him, but I think that he has that type of ability as that type of skill set that you may see that in year one from him. Yeah. You could see him not defensively, but what he does on the offensive end, speaking of Jovic, if Kyle Anderson does walk, he's a guy that could come in and do some of those things for you offensively, do some playmaking uh, a guy with size at, at 16, 611, uh, that can play, make and really score um, every evolving shooter. Uh, has really improved his three point shooting, which he's improved. On Kyle from that, Kyle's better defensively, but Jovic is definitely the better offensive player. So I think if Kyle does leave, it's a little bit different, but he does bring some of those things that Kyle brings offensively, but he's a better shooter. What he gives up defensively, he he will improve on what Kyle did offensively as far as being a shooter and a scorer. So uh, I do agree with David. I think there are definitely some guys that could step in. I could see Jovic having a role immediately, but a lot of these guys, Grizzlies are in a position where the roster is set in a lot of areas and you could, they have the, the ability to be patient with guys. Uh, they could send some guys down to the G league to kind of marinate down there and, and get better. Cause they don't necessarily need two rookies to come in and play now. So it's going to be interesting to see how they, how they play this. Uh, but I, I'm kind of just like David in a position where I feel like just take the two at 22 and 29. If they stay there, just take the best two players, whoever you feel the two players are, no matter what their position is, just go ahead and draft them uh, because we'll see. They could be guys that could fit down the line, and I think that's kind of where they are. Uh, for for Jovic, uh, Nikolo, Nikola Jovic, <laughs> it's hard to not confuse that name with his with the MVP, but um, Nikola Jovic, for me, I feel he's a second-round pick. 
I don't think he's ready yet. I mean, to be a 6'10", 6'11", basically shooting guard that played in Serbia to come to the NBA, I think it's going to take some time if it works at all. So I don't think he's a first-round pick. But if he is a first-round pick, he needs to go to a team like the Spurs, like the Grizzlies, a team that has two first-round picks, multiple first-round picks, because that way if he doesn't work out, you still had another pick. So it's a more like a risk-reward uh, you know, looking for potential. Uh, so you can't really fail if he doesn't work out. And if he does work out, then you really hit a home run out of the park and got a steal. Well, one thing between these two guys, uh, Will mentioned uh, Bochamp. I, I like Wesley and Bochamp defensively. And, and we can kind of, Isaac, if you had something else on, on Jovic, you can jump into that. Um, I, I think offensively that he – I'm bouncing around a little bit. Jovic, I think offensively, year one, sometimes you see the the, the Grizzlies take shot on guys that come over. Um, Gudrich, Marco Gudrich was the last guy they took a shot on. He was a shooter from overseas. He shot 50% in his last Euro League season before coming to Memphis, and he never could adapt. It translate, yeah. Yeah, like he, he when when you would watch him warm up, his stroke was pure. He looked good whenever he was warming up. When he was, you know, putting in workouts, it looked great. But the speed of the game never came to him. And so you do make a good point with with you know playing in Serbia and then coming over. Maybe there's a a speed transition and and Jovic does struggle. But from what I see on film with him, I think that his abilities as a playmaker. I think that he could maybe not be as effective scoring, but I think he's got the abilities as a playmaker that he could still be effective, you know, year one. And when you're drafting, when a guy like that, when you're getting into the, you know, 18 to 30 range in that first round, there's a reason these guys are not going in the lottery. There's questions about them. And so, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where he falls. Cause I really like his upside. Yeah, I mean, for me, man, I think he's my top choice at 22 along with, with Jaden Hardy. Those are two guys that I really like. I just think, as David said, I think playmaking-wise, I think day one, I think he'll be able to come in and do some things for you on Eddie, and I, I think he'll be able to score as well. I'm not saying he's going to come in and light the world on fire or anything, but I think he, offensively, he has a lot of array of moves of, of ways he can score. I mean, he makes tough, weird shots, kind of the same way you see Dylan Brooks makes shots. I believe he'll, he'll be able to put some points on the board. I'm not saying he's going to come in and light it up. I think the question, the reason why he's not a lottery pick, I mean, he was originally up in a lottery. Like, if you go four or five months ago and look back at some of those mock drafts, he was going lower lottery. I think, as, as most European players, the question with him mostly is going to be on a defensive end. Uh, who's, who's he going to guard? Is he going to be quick enough to guard threes? Is he going to be strong enough to guard fours? I think that's going to be the question with him, lateral quickness. And that's usually the issue with most European players coming over. Um, people said the same thing about Luka Doncic. I'm not saying he's going to be Luka Doncic or anything like that, but that was a big question with him as well, and he's done fine. So, I mean, that's usually a question with European players coming over, but there's been a lot of guys that have come over and had some success, man. I, I think he's going to be good. I'm not saying he's going to come in year one and light the world on fire, but I do think he's a guy that could play some minutes for you and some of these other guys, especially when you're looking at the Grizzlies roster. I don't know if these are guys that are going to be stepping in and play for you immediately. They're going to be guys that are going to get a lot of time down in South Haven. And I think Jovich is a guy who, if Kyle Anderson does walk, could could find himself in a rotation at times. I'm not saying he's never going to go to South Haven, but 
I, I think he can. She has some playmaking abilities at that size that they can use. Yeah, I mean, I just really don't see it, but uh, teams are going to have to do their due diligence. And, you know, if they scout them enough, uh, what, what what all he's going to do in individual workouts and everything, and they're confident in him, it definitely could, uh, you know, save some people's jobs, but it also can cost some people's jobs. So we'll see what happens. And if Memphis takes them, I definitely would believe in that because you guys are incredible at the draft. So, you know, Man, you guys – the- you guys, the Raptors, you know, the Spurs, whoever y'all taking, I'm a trust in. GM of the year, King Zach Lyman, man. Put some respect on his name. There King, you go. King Lyman, the, the, <laughs> the draft master. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we'll roll into our, uh, our our second guy, and, and we'll mention him. I kind of talked about him a little bit. But uh, Marjan Beauchamp, he's 6'6", six, 6'7", six, 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 wing with six, a 7'0". Seven. Uh, seven wingspan. Uh, he can guard multiple positions, two through four. Great slasher. He's athletic, good rebounder, high motor, extremely confident. I I like the fact that he's an elite point of attack defender. That's something we, we've talked about, Dylan Brooks and the possibility. And listen, did we hear anything from the front office that Dylan Brooks is going to get moved? No, no, we didn't. And I know a lot of Grizzlies fans love Dylan Brooks. And when we're talking about this, this is not, at least for me, I, I'm not, I don't want to speak for Isaac, he can correct me if, if his point is different on this, but it's not that we're hurry up and get Dylan out the door. You just, you evaluate the asset and you say, okay, is he going to be a part of my team long-term? Is this going to be a guy that is part of my rotation? If the Grizzlies are going to win a championship. And if I had to guess, I would say the answer to that question is no. And so you don't let somebody that has his level of talent, cause he is a good NBA player you don't just let them walk for nothing. You go out and you find value and you get value in return in a trade. And so if he does go out the door, they're going to be looking for a guy that can be a one-on-one point of attack lockdown defender. And I think Bochamp can definitely be that guy. Um, I, I was mentioning a little bit earlier, I, I've definitely got to get into more film. Bochamp has more of a wingspan. He's going to probably be able to be more versatile, guard more positions. But I think Wesley and Bochamp are both good defenders already. Yeah, I mean, Bochamp, I think the, the thing that jumps off the field with him that, that you like immediately strong, man, NBA body. Uh, he can really bully smaller players when he gets downhill. Uh, finishes strong at the basket, man. He can leap, uh, has a leap, leaping ability. And you talk about defense, I think he'll be switchable uh, due to his strength at the next level. Uh, I think he'll be able to guard two through four, uh, depending on matchups. Uh, does a really good job of walling up on guys when defending at the rim. Moves really well laterally. Uh, definitely has strong point of attack uh, potential, as you mentioned. I think day one, I think he'll be able to defend. Um, I think that's something, the, the big positive that you know with him, I think offensively, I think it's a question with him. And I definitely think there's some upside there. I mean, we've talked about these G League guys here since we've been doing our draft coverage. And, and the numbers, the efficiency numbers don't look great. I mean, you look at, Three-point range, only 22, 24.2% from three-point range, um, um, 65% from the free throw line. But I always caution people when you're kind of evaluating D-League guys is you're talking about these young guys stepping in, going up against grown men. And it's kind of different. I'm not saying that college level is easier or the D-League tougher, but you're going against grown men and there's a lot of veteran guys that are getting minutes and you're kind of coming in trying to showcase yourself because you know you're a guy that's 
trying to get to the draft and, and trying to showcase yourself. So a lot of times these guys probably come in and force the issue uh, so, and, and, and to try to showcase themselves. And I think that kind of affects their efficiency numbers. And I think a lot of these guys have a lot more upside than what the numbers show. Jaden Hardy was a guy that we talked about on the last episode. His efficiency numbers weren't great in the G League either, but I think he's a guy that definitely has elite scoring ability. And I think that's something – his numbers, I think, in the NBA eventually are going to be much better than what you saw in the G League. And I think Bochamp is a guy that has some offensive upside as well. And I think, I think he's a better shooter than that 24.2% three-point percentage that you saw um, in, in the G League. Yeah, I love Marshawn Bochamp's uh, film, uh, everything about him, really. Like you said, his defense is already there. His athleticism is through the roof, and uh, he's a clutch player. You know, he can take over a game. Uh, he's a winner. He can create his own shot, big-time score. And you got to remember, he scored 15 points per game in the G League against grown men, like Isaac said. And also, that three-point percentage may look bad, but – in the G League, they are playing with the NBA three-point range as opposed to college where that's yeah, exactly. total. So that's, that has to be factored in too. Uh, and I definitely think in these, in these days and time, NBA shooting coaches uh, are making a lot of players shoot better than they would without these NBA shooting coaches. These shooting coaches are making a lot of money. And guys are – like even if you look at like Brooke Lopez, who was a center and shot no threes. Man, and I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> yeah. Later in his career, if a center can change into no threes to threes all the time, Marjan Beauchamp should be good. Uh, and uh, I was on a podcast with Brad Jarrett from uh, Sports Ethos Hawks, and he had a good point. He said he reminded him a little of DeMar DeRozan, and I hadn't thought of that, but he does. Yeah, have, I can see that. Yeah, he, ha- he has a little bit of that in his game. If he just works on that shot a little bit more, he could be a steal, I feel. Yeah. You- yeah. The, the shooting coach thing is super important. You talk about Rick Lopez, another guy that, that was not a big, that struggled shooting the ball from three early in his career was Kimba Walker. He was one of the worst statistical three-point shooters in the league because he was shooting low percentage at high volume. And as his career progressed, he became a much better three-point shooter. And that is from putting in work and working with NBA level shooting coaches. And so that's something, you know, while it's great to have a Desmond Bain that is like a dead eye, just pure shooter right off, like straight off of the bat. It's not an absolute necessity when you see a guy that has the skills and everything else. I think that Bochamp is a guy that can definitely, you can see that shooting improve. Um, And one of the notes that I had with him Isaac was talking about forcing the issue, but I put down like sometimes his decisions are like just bad. He makes bad decisions. He'll pull up early in the shot clock when it's not necessary. Uh, his his shooting is inconsistent. His shot selection is not great. And so there, there's things definitely to be concerned about, but th- this coaching staff has done a fantastic job developing that talent. So I think that, uh, you know, he is a guy I'd definitely be willing to to take a risk on. Yeah, what one what, 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 yeah. I was gonna say one thing that I that I noticed with him and you and you guys talked about it is the, the other skills are there. I mean, he has the ability to get open. Uh, does a really good job in the mid range. So you you get with an NBA shooting coach. I definitely think they can improve. I think one thing that I saw on film with him is he has a tendency to float on his jump shot. He doesn't really get his get his hips square with the rim, and I think that's something that's definitely coachable. And I think if they can 
getting better at that. I think he can knock down shots. But like I said, we've seen him knock down shots for the mid-range. And he can get high. He's streaky. And you can see him knock down three-point shots. So I don't think there's anything wrong with his jump shot, man. I just think he needs to continue to work on it. Like I said, get his hips square. But with all the creation, the builds, and everything else he has, I, I don't have any doubt that he could become a better shooter than what those numbers show. Because you've seen it. When he gets hot, he can really fill it up. Uh, I mean, he just needs to be more consistent. And when you get to a better coach in the NBA, I think they'll be able to, to help him get there. Right. And I have seen lately, uh, it looks like he's been falling a little bit in the draft. And I, mean, I don't understand why, but no matter what direction you go, there's a lot of six, six guard slash forwards in this range, 22 or 29. So you're not going to go wrong, really. I mean, I love Bryce McGowan's. He would be a great fit for you guys. And Jalen Williams from Santa Clara, either one. So you have multiple choices to swing at a small forward at this spot. So the Grizzlies are in great shape. Yeah, I mean, they could even package those picks and move there. There's a lot. I like their options. And that's, uh, you know, I said on your show when I came on the other day, and I've said it on this one before, I would be shocked if the Grizzlies actually execute all three picks. I, I honestly, I think I'll be shocked if the Grizzlies execute two picks in this draft. That's probably more likely to happen, but I, I just, because of the roster composition and the comments from Zach Kleiman, I, I don't see them making all three of them. So we're going to move on from those two guys. That's only two kind of new prospects. We're going to talk about new prospects to the show today, the consensus top four, but before we move into that, I'm going to save that. For the end of the show, we're going to talk about a big man matchup here. And I was listening to Will's mock draft, and he had uh, Mark Williams from Duke coming off of the board before Jalen Duran, and he actually had Duran sliding a little bit. So we're going to talk about those two comparatively, the the ups and downs and what we like and dislike about each one of them and see see where we land. Will, because you had these two kind of flopped and you had Duran falling a little bit, I'll let you lead off. What is it that you like about Williams so much more than Duran? I mean, just looking at the film, Jalen Duran just seems like more of a raw player. If you're looking for defense only, I think it's still close that way. And Mark Williams' offensive upside is just much higher. He just has more of a natural feel and touch for the game. And, I mean, he averaged three blocks per game. Jalen Durant, two blocks per game. But they're both tall. Both have a great wingspan. But Mark Williams, you know, strong finish at the rim, can run the floor, catch alley-oops. Uh, I think he'll be perfect for LaMelo Ball with the Hornets. Um, super long extension. Can even block three-pointers from far away. You know, he pretty much always gets in the right spot and in the right position. He clearly was coached correctly at Duke. You know, no disrespect to Memphis, you know, but they have a new coach. Love Penny Hardaway, but... <laughs> Coach K over Penny Hardaway, the coaching experience is a little lopsided, but uh, I think he will fit in great. And, you know, he's not going to be tall necessarily um, as, you know, but he's going to be able to score and get everything that he needs. Now, Jalen Durant, I do think it's closer than most people would expect, but it's just Jalen Durant just seems like a rim runner to me, like a DeAndre Jordan type. And I think Mark Williams can be more of a center that, you can throw the ball down to and get some points as well. So that's that's where my disconnect is. Isaac, go ahead, man. Isaac may be having some technical difficulties. So I, I, I'm back. Of, 
Oh, okay. I'm back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys went out for a second. Um, where, where, where were we? Uh, I was no Mark. Mark was talking about. I mean, Will was talking about uh, Duran and, and and Williams. Where were we? Yeah. So so he was. You know, I asked him in his mock draft. He had Williams coming off of the board before Duran. Uh, did did you hear his conversation at all about? Yeah, I heard. I heard the majority. Okay. I heard the majority of it. It cut off right. kind of before he ended, but yeah, I heard most part of it. Gotcha. So yeah, I think Mark Williams can do a little bit more scoring wise, and Duran is more like a DeAndre Jordan uh, rim runner. You know, what do you what do you feel about the two? Well, you know, you know me covering Memphis with rivals. I'm going to be a little bit partial, but I, I really like. Uh, I mean, both sure. both candidates are really good. Like, I, there's no doubt about that. I think it's really close. Um, I think with Duran, I think, like you said, elite athlete, uh, projects as a, a big-time rim protector. Um, I think he'll be elite at drop coverage. Uh, does a great job of using his length to, to cover ground. Uh, moves his feet really well in space. Uh, switchable upside and pick and roll. I think I think when – and I think I agree with you. Um, I think offensive potential, I think right now with Duran, it's more just – with Jason Duran, it's just more power right now. He doesn't have a lot of touch when he has the – when, he, when he's not just going straight up and dunking, it, I think he struggles a little bit with his touch around the rim, doesn't have a great feel um, at the rim. And I think that's something that he needs to improve on. I think Mark Williams is more in, uh, advanced in that area. Uh, so I do agree with you there. But I think – I don't know if I necessarily agree that Duran doesn't, doesn't have the, the potential that Mark Williams has offensively. I think it's something that he can improve upon. But if you're talking about day one, I do agree. I think Mark Williams is far, more far along uh, offensively. I think Duran is more going to be – a defender, uh, I mean, a guy just that finishes at the rim. I think you're playing with a really good point guard. I think uh, Jalen will be a really good finisher for you day one, but it's something that he definitely needs to work on his touch around the rim uh, when, when he's not just dunking it. So, I mean, most most mocks that I've seen have during ahead of Mark Williams. Uh, so I, think, I know Tankathon has, I think, uh, during going about four, three or four spots higher than Mark Williams. So we'll see how it plays out. I think it's a really – Really interesting. I think it just depends on on what you want. Uh, Mark Williams is a little bit bigger, has a bigger wingspan uh, than, than Jalen Duran, so we'll we'll see. I, I've just uh, I've watched a lot of Jalen Duran, so I'm kind of partial to him. I mean, I like some of the things he do. I like really like it for this Grizzlies team. I don't think they're going to be able to get up in position to get him, man. But I think he would be a, a really good player on this team, especially playing with a point guard like Ja. Um, I think he could really finish. I think they could work really good in the pick and roll, uh, but. I mean, it just, just goes about preference, man. I think it's that close with these two guys. Well, David thinks I'm crazy for having Williams above Durant. So, come on, let's I, hear I it. I do agree, man. I, I would pick Durant. I would pick uh, Durant over Williams if I had to pick one of the two. I would go Jalen if I had to pick the two. I agree with David. So, so <laughs> let, let me clarify. We I, I was listening to his podcast, and we were texting back and forth. <laughs> and I have no issues with, with Williams. And if you watch film on these guys – it's crazy how similar their game is. The, the the shooting, Williams' ability, I won't say that he can stretch the floor. He doesn't have that kind of range, but he does have a little bit of a shot. Duran does not have that. So there's things that Williams is able to do better, but we're also two, we're, we're talking about almost two years difference in age. And so, I, yeah, Duran is a lot more raw. That gives you kind of more of a canvas to adjust, to build upon, and, yep. you know, I think it all, like, day one, Williams is going to be a better offensive player. But defensively, I don't know that there's much separating these two guys. I worry about foul trouble with Williams more so than I do with Duren. 
I think I was looking at the stats and, and he got into foul trouble and the games that Williams was not in foul trouble. Duke was 24 and one. And I, I don't remember, I, I wrote it down, but I lost the paper. I switched papers. And of course I don't have what they were in the, in the games that he got into foul trouble. But I think when, when I was listening to your podcast and you were talking about it, it was my biggest thing was when it got to the Hornets and I think, what are they, are they at 13? Yeah. Got got to the Hornets at 13 and it didn't have, and you didn't have them taking Duran. You had them taking a wing or something like that. I, I can't even remember who it was, but I'm like, there's no way that the Hornets need a center, like something fierce. There's zero chance in the world that if it, if Duran falls to 13 at the Hornets, there's no way they're taking anybody else. I, I would bet every stinking thing that I own that if he's on the board at 13 for the Hornets, that that's who they call. No, I, I had Mark Williams going 13th, and I had Kendall Brown going 15th. So I did in my oh, um, but, man, you had him down. You had uh, Duran Lord at 15. Yeah, yeah, I had, Durant, I had Duran. I had Duran. Man, oh man, I, I wish. If, if he gets out of 20, right. man, Grizzly better go up and get him. Right, right. <laughs> you ain't but lying, with, man. with uh, well, with, with Duran, one thing that I wrote down, uh, with, with Mark Williams, I mean, is I wrote down a lot of things that you see with him are very similar to what we complain about with Jared Jackson Jr. Uh, here in Memphis. When he, he tries to block everything, and then a lot of times he gets caught leaving his feet on shots that he shouldn't block, he picks up a lot of silly fouls, like fouls that are unnecessary. And I think if you're seeing that on a college level, that's something that you're probably going to see even enhanced on the NBA level, and that's one thing that I think is going to be a concern with him, man, he has to stop gambling. Sometimes you can't block everything. Like I understand that Jared's got to get into that habit too, where he just tries to block everything. And in one way that's good, but it can get you in foul trouble. And I saw a lot of that with Mark Williams on the film. I mean, that's kind of the biggest red flag that I wrote down for him is that you just see him pick up a lot of facility fouls. And if he's in that kind of foul trouble in college, I think you get to the NBA and I think you're going to see something similar with him. And some of that may be coachable. I think if you look at some of those fouls, it was box out fouls. Like if somebody gets him boxed, he's got to learn. Okay, I'm boxed. Yeah. Not don't don't stretch out over the yeah. top. Of him. He, he just tried to do it going anyway. A of, yeah, a lot of cheap fouls like that. But I, I I will go on record to say that regardless, if somebody is sitting there on draft night and they need a big. <laughs> And they take Williams first. Okay, that that's fine. I would not do that. I like the Ren over Williams, but I think after once you get past Chet, there's two first round centers in this draft, and it's these two guys right here. There's no, there's no. Hate on my guy Coloco. There's nobody. There's no other big in this draft that is first round talent, in my opinion. Yeah, you still hating on my guy Coloco, man. We'll see. We'll see where he ends up going. But yeah, David hates. David hates. Yeah, he hates the logo, man. We <laughs> talked about him on our last podcast, man. He he went in on him, man. He said that's the only guy that we've talked about that he's completely out on, man. I I disagree, man. I, I don't. There there are definitely some issues there. There's some po- big positives and big negatives, but I'm definitely not out on him. Like if you talked about 29, uh, that I mean, he would definitely be on a consideration for me. Yeah, I have Coloco going 26 to the Mavs, but. Also, you can't forget about Jalen Williams from Arkansas. I don't know if you consider him oh, a big, yeah. but, you know, 16. Well, I mean, yeah, I think that maybe he would be more stretch four than yeah, – Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and you could probably – like, he's he would be a guy that you could play at the four or five. 
I, I forgot about him, so I'm sorry. There, there's three, but Jalen Williams is definitely not a guy that that's getting as much uh, as much wind as these other guys. So that that's I, I think that he should get more. If you dive into film on him, he's got a lot of uh, a lot of tools, and I would take him a hundred times out of ten over Coloco, no doubt about it. <laughs> well, I agree with you there. I, I would take him over Coloco, but again, man, Coloco definitely. I mean, if you so when you look at 22, 29, you told me to put a list together of like 10, 12 guys. I mean, Coloco would be on that list. I mean, he'd be somewhere near the bottom, but I'm definitely not as out on him as you are. <laughs> but um, I would love to revisit this. So I got Williams. Y'all got Durant. <laughs> we'll come back next year and revisit this. Yeah, we, we can. We definitely can. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what's up with it. So now we're going to get into the, the consensus top four. And I talked about this with Will on his show we're going to run through it. The top four, Jabari, Banchero, Chet, and Jaden Ivey. Those are your top four. I don't think that anybody else really – not that there's not anybody else in the conversation. Keegan Murray, Murray excuse me, has that kind of talent. Um, for some reason, Shaden Sharp is getting mentioned, like, as a I, I just, top five guy. I just, I just don't get it, man. Not, yeah. that, not that he's not going to be awesome, but I just – I don't know, man. I just don't know because you just don't know. Yeah. With him, I, I mean, he's a, he was a lead in high school, and that's pretty much what you know. I mean, I know people are projecting. I know he's now getting John Morant comparisons as well, along with Jaden Ivey. Ivy. So we'll, we'll see how it plays out, but I, I would be very hesitant. I think if I'm five with Detroit, I think I'm taking Keegan Murray. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree with you. So, Isaac, if you're rating your, your top four, I saw you, you tweeted out, you think Banchero, is he your number one? Yeah, man, I know the consensus top two are, are Chet Holmgren and, and, and Jabari Smith, but I think for me, I think Jaden Ivey and Paolo Benchero are probably my one and two. I, I think if someone asked me today, like putting money on which two of those of four guys are going to be the best players in the league, I think I would go Benchero and Ivey. I think when you look at Benchero, I mean, he just – he's I mean, he's so advanced offensively. I mean, just – the array of moves, I call him Carmelo Anthony Light. That's what I see with him. I mean, just the array of moves that he has, the jab step, the way he can go around, finish at the rim. I mean, he just does a lot of things offensively. I think the question with him is going to be defensively. Um, I think it's – a lot of it is effort. Um, I think it's going to be – it's going to take him going to a team where he's coached well uh, on that end because I think a lot of that that, that you see is just doesn't seem like he puts the requisite effort in on that end. But offensively, I mean, he's just – Super skill. I mean, he can just score from all over the floor, three-level level score. He needs to continue to work on his perimeter shot, but, I mean, it's not not terrible right now. Um, I, I think he's going to be able to score at elite level, and I kind of hate how the draft is lining up because he's probably going to end up with the Houston Rockets. I um, mean, that's in the division with the Grizzlies. I'd rather not, not see that, but I think they're going to get a really good player, and I think, I, I'm again, I mean, I, I really do think he's going to be a big-time scorer um, in the NBA. I don't think there's any question in my mind about that. Um, like I said, man, he's really good one-on-one, um, advanced footwork, uh, really does a, a good job of getting to his spots. Uh, deadly in the mid-range, man, he can face up, he can back down, man, he can shoot a fadeaway, just score from all levels. It's just like I talked about that jab step that he uses really effectively. Um, he's extremely patient, uh, doesn't rush his, rush his moves, really just really advanced offensively, man. Has a spin move in the post uh, that he's able to finish with easier hand with. Uh, just I mean, I just love him. Uh, he has a, like this fadeaway jumper on the right block. Um, he does like a drop step spin move that he uses 
dunks and finishes with on the left block. I mean, shot 58 percent at the rim on non post ups. Uh, does a really good job of using his his, his size and finishing through contact into the rim, uh, above the rim finisher. I mean, offensively, I mean, he's one of the most skilled players I've seen coming into the league. I mean, he's advanced with his footwork. Um, but I just think again, man, defensively, he's got to get with a coach that's really going to work with him and a team that's really going to work with him on the end. Because if he can put it together defensively, man, I don't have any question that he has the type of talent to end up being the best player in the draft. Uh, what's your one through four, Isaac? Man, if, if you told me to rank them, I know it's not going to happen like this, but I would I would say Paola, uh, Jay Nivey, uh, Smith, and, and Holmgren, I guess. And, and I, I just put Holmgren in the top four. He wouldn't be in my top four at all. I just know that he's going to be in there. So I top two picks, so I throw him in there. But I'm, as, as David knows, I'm not a fan of Holmgren at all. I guess we'll talk about that in a minute. Well, this will make David really happy because I have Chet fourth as well. <laughs> oh, have, yeah, my man. <laughs> but I have Jabari Smith one, uh, Jaden Ivey two, Paolo three, Chet four. So, but it's still, Paolo is not that far off from one and two to me. I just think Jabari Smith and Jaden Ivey are different caliber, like superstar talents. Um, do you want me to go into either one of them or you want to go ahead, David? No, if you want to go ahead, man. <laughs> well, I'll tell you why I love Jabari Smith so much. You know, he's just a super long rangy athlete, great athlete at that. He can do it all. You know, to me, he's the one player in this game that doesn't in this draft that doesn't really have a weakness. Uh, he's a great three point mm-hmm. shooter, 42% <laughs> from three. Uh, silky smooth player can break you down and drive to the rack, has a turnaround J, can post up. You know, he has a textbook shot and form. He can shoot the three off the dribble or spotting up. He can play all five positions. You know, he's 6'10", but he doesn't look like a, a traditional big. You know, he's a very natural ball handler and shooter. You know, versatile defender, can guard multiple positions as well. Gets blocks and steals without forcing it. Plays hard, very fun to watch. And I've told Dave this. I've said it on my pod, the All-Rookie Podcast before. He has some Kevin Durant in his game. And so that type of player, I don't think you can pass on. A lot of people are saying it's either Jabari or Chet. I don't see that type of potential for Chet, really for anyone. I mean, Jabari Smith is by far number one to me. I see why you love Jaden Ivey because he does remind me of John Morant. So if he can reach that ceiling, clearly he's number one or number two in this draft. But those two guys just really stand out for me as the best two players in this draft. So out of everybody that is all the teams that are in the lottery, the Magic, the Kings, the Spurs, and possibly the Hornets, but I can make a case for the Hornets as well. There's four teams in the lottery that if they had the number one pick, that you could make a strong case for Jaden Ivey to be their pick, for him to be their number one. If I'm the Rockets, there is no chance that Jaden Ivey is getting past me. If Jaden Ivey doesn't go one or two, he's going three to the Rockets because a Jaden Ivey and Jalen Green backcourt would, would dude, it would be insane. You, you give that three to five years and they're going to be cooking folks. Don't, I don't want to hear nothing about no Kevin Porter Jr. Kevin Porter Jr. does <laughs> not have the type of talent that Jaden Ivey does. So, because of the way that the lottery balls fall, 
Chet Holmgren won because Orlando has about 746 guards over there. And so they, they don't, they don't need a guard. They're not going to draft the guard. I think that Jay Ivey has a higher upside arguably than any of the guards that they have on that roster. But if you're already overloaded with young guards, why take another, why take another guard? Um, but so my four would be uh, Chet, Ivy, Jabari, Banchero, and, and it, it's a defense for me on, on Banchero. I, I agree with you offensively. I think that he is fantastic. I think he's going to be able to go out and get buckets. I would love nothing more than to see him fall to four to the Kings. I would love it yeah. if on draft night that yeah, the Rockets rock. take take <laughs> Ivy three and Banchero go to the Kings, and you're like, why do you want him to go to the Kings? Kings suck. The Kings mm-hmm. hired Mike Brown. Mike Brown is a defensive savant, and, and I think, dude – if Banchero goes to the Kings with with Mike Brown, I think it's going to be fantastic for his career. And I think that that could be not that we're going to see championship runs from the King Kings, but I think that we could see that team break their streak of missing the playoffs 16 years in a row. What's up, guys? It's David. Before we go any further, I've got to take a couple moments here to tell you about our new partner at Ethos Grizzlies. Ember and Valor. Ember and Valor specializes in beard care products. Let them take your beard to the next level with their easy two-step process. You get started with the beard oil to condition your skin and prevent the dreaded beard itch. You finish it off with Ember and Valor's Beard Balm to condition and shape your beard. Go over to emberandvalor.com right now and use promo code ethosgrizz for 25% off. Let them get you the beard you've always wanted emberandvalor.com e-m-b-e-r-a-n-d-v-a-l-o-r.com promo code ethos grizzlies for 25 percent off i've got to run it by you one more time i can't allow you to miss it 25 percent off at emberandvalor.com right now using our promo code ethos grizz that's e-t-h-o-s-g-r-i-z-z at emberandvalor.com for 25% off of all of their products. Ember and Valor makes all of their products using all natural ingredients. Get over there, check them out, use the promo code, let them know we sent you. You will not be disappointed. Emberandvalor.com. Look good, feel good. And with, with Jabari, for me, like I agree with everything Will said. I mean, he's an elite shot, shot maker. I mean, it just makes tough shot scores from, from all over the floor. Uh, but I think, to me, there are some weaknesses. I know Will said there's not really any weaknesses. For me, he doesn't. He doesn't have a great first step. Uh, number one, he, he drives to the his drives to the basket. Or kind of when he drives to the basket and he's not pulling up and shooting, he's kind of easy to defend because he takes these really long, wide steps. And guys do a really good job of, of staying in front of him. They don't really have any trouble. Um, and, and I think he doesn't do a great job of creating separation. I mean, it, it, I think a lot of the reasons why he has to take four tough shots is because he can't get separation like if you watch him on film like even when he when he when he gets a screen or he's crossing over guys are still right on him he knocked those shots down but I think when you get into the NBA I think it's going to be tougher for him to do that I think he has to do a better job of creating separation and I, I just don't think he does a good job of that um he's also not super fluid in his movements out the bounce um as great as he is as a shooter uh like, like I said he ends up having to take those Tough shots uh, because he just doesn't create separation. He doesn't show a lot of playmaking ability either. 
Uh, he's not the, the worst ball handler in the world, but definitely an area that he can continue to improve on. Um, he gets undercut on drives because of how, how high he dribbles, and he has a tendency to uh, turn the ball over uh, when, when he tries to pass the ball. He's not doesn't have great vision uh, when, it, when it comes to playmaking. You'll watch that he telegraphs a lot of his passes. He gets a lot of turnovers. He just doesn't have great vision when it comes to passing pass the basketball. So to me, I believe that he'll be able to score just outside of that, just jump shots. And again, I think those shots are going to be tougher to make unless he gets better creating separation. He doesn't do a lot else, like as far as going to the rim and doing a lot, a lot there. I mean, he's just basically a shooter. And, and I mean, that's good, but is, the, is that going to translate into him to being an elite all-around player? I, I don't know. I have questions on that. I think, I mean, he's going to be really good, but I, I think some of that might put a cap on him. That's That's just for me. I just want you to know I'm logging off right now. I did not appreciate any of that. <laughs> Dang. But I'm saying, man, watch the film, man. He doesn't, he doesn't get he doesn't get separation like hardly ever. Like anytime when he's taking shots, he usually has a guy in his face. Just watch, just watch the film. Well, that is true, but you know, most 6'10 guys are not the separators in the in, in the league. You know, it's mainly the guards that are doing that. But his length and athleticism, he's you, it's, you're not gonna block his shot, you know what I mean? So I think he's going to be all right. Yeah, that, I was going to say his length is, you know, even though he's not able to create that separation because his release is high because of that length, it allows him to shoot over guys. Now, there are going to be better athletes in the NBA. There are going to be guys that could that could definitely contest that shot. Um, but but one of the things that I had down for, for Jabari as far as an improvement area was his handle, and while it is serviceable yeah. right now, like it definitely that, that's area, Like if in order for him to get to that Kevin Durant mark that that Will is setting for him, he's got to tighten it up because if he is, you know, you, you talked about them cutting off his drives going to the basket. If his handle is that loose in the NBA, he's going to get ripped quite a bit, and so that's something that he's going to, you know, I'm sure that he's going to be working on that. He's going to. Yeah, he's probably working on it right now in the offseason. So it's not that I wouldn't necessarily call that uh, just a flat-out weakness for him because his handle is not terrible, but it can definitely improve. Um, you know, you, you can see if you you watch film of him getting pressured when he's got the ball in his hand, you see him kind of struggle a little bit with it. Yeah. Yeah, I and mean, that's what, what, what I, I was seeing on film. And I hate – I don't want to say that I feel like he's going to be one-dimensional, I guess, from, from day one, but I just think – Right now, I, I don't know with that handle and, and what I kind of talked about earlier. I don't know if he's going to be giving you a lot at the basket. Like he can, he can get better at that. There's no question. I mean, he's an elite level athlete, and I'm definitely not putting a cap on him at, at all. But I just need to see it, and that's kind of why right now I would go Paola or uh, Banchero or Jaden Ivy over him because I just I think right now I just think for me outside of the shooting, I just think there's he's not giving you a lot right now. I mean, that's just. I just don't feel like he's going to be able to, they want get to the basket and finish. He's just going to be a, a guy that's shooting jumpers. Um, and, and you want to see him do more than that if he's going to be an elite talent. So, I mean, every, all these guys have questions, like with Benchero, question on the defensive end that, that you talk about. Yeah, I think that, for me, yeah, that, that's why I'm taking Jabari uh, over Benchero is because I think offensively, maybe you give a slight edge to Benchero right now. But what like Jabari is going to be a good defender straight off the bat, yeah, and Banchero no is going to have to work. And so there may be times at the end of the game where you have to pull Banchero because he's just out there playing Matador defense, 
and that's not going to be an issue for Jabari. Will, did you really log off? You really done, man? <laughs> I'm gone. I'm gone. Man, walk out on it. <laughs> no, I love the debate. You know, I, I can't wait to see that rookie seasons. Uh, and, you know, it's still early. The draft is 22 days from now. By the time the draft comes, you know, uh, Shaden Sharp might be the first pick in the draft. You never know. No, man, nobody's jumping. <laughs> it, it will be I, – I think it's Jabari or Chet, honestly. And, and Chet is go, – go ahead, Isaac. I was going to say, man, but there are some some uh, movement on draft Twitter. That a lot of people feel like Satan Sharp should go number one. Like, I saw some people talking about that today, man. I think think they're crazy. Maybe he ends up being that great. Like I said, he was elite on the high school level. I've watched him on the high school level. But you just – with him, you just don't know because he hasn't hasn't played. I mean, that's the thing thing with him. It's just hope with him. And it is with, with all these guys. But, again, man, I would at least want to see you play on the college level. And that's something that we just didn't really get a chance to do with him. Yeah, I, I think I know was, you guys did say uh, it's a top four. I do, I do think that it is a top five as far as elite prospects in this class. And nobody's mentioned my fifth guy. That's Benedict Matherin. What do y'all he, think about that? He he's growing on me, man. He, he I'll be honest, like he's not a guy that that I had really watched a ton of. But as I'm studying this draft and and watching and reading about him, I'm just like, all right, man. Like he he. He may be, to me, like, because of what he done last year, because of what he has shown at the college level, I'm taking him over Shaden Sharp. And that may be a, a mistake, but I, I would definitely have more confidence in taking him. Oh, I, I love him. Like, uh, when, when the Grizzlies, when he was kind of projected lower lottery, um, at that point when the Grizzlies were possibly getting that Lakers pick, man, he was right there at the top of my list when him and Keegan Murray, now that both of those guys have kind of moved up a little bit higher than that than where they were at that time. But it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up being the best shooter out of this draft. I mean, he can absolutely fill it up. I mean, I, I love him. Uh, I just uh, think when you look at uh, guys that, that, that have been, been around a little bit longer, they kind of get docked. But to me, I think talent-wise, I think he could be definitely – I'm definitely taking over Shade Shaw. There's not even any question. Like, I wouldn't even hesitate to turn that card in. Um, but, but, again, man, I think he's going to be a big-time shooter and a big-time – scoring the league and can do it on defensive end as well. I mean, he's one of the better, one of the better complete prospects in this draft, man. You talk about three and deep. I mean, I think he could be elite, man. He, he's a, he's a big time player to me. And again, man, if I was sitting there at five, you talk about him and Keegan Murray, those would probably be two of the guys on my list. Cause you look at some of these other guys uh, like AJ Griffin and, and Johnny Davis, not that these guys are bad players, but I'm, I think I'm taking, uh, taking the over those guys. I mean, I, I, so I agree with Will there. I mean, I think he definitely deserves to be mentioned with these other guys. Definitely, definitely. I mean, I, I love his game. Um, if I want to get a little crazy, I can say he just reminds me of like a bigger Dwayne Wade. So, I mean, that that sounds like a top five pick to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I was a little bit slack there. I was looking to see who had five and six. And, and I think that's um, – Detroit's you know, at five, right? Detroit's at five. Indiana's at six. And I think either one of those teams will be, you know, super happy to to land him right there. I think that's really where, where the draft starts. I, I don't I don't know that anybody passes the, these top four guys in, in Chet, Ivy, Vanchero, Jabari. No, I, I don't think so. Th those four end up going the first four off of the board. 
But the, then where that that's when the draft starts. Then do you go Keegan Murray? I, and, I think Detroit goes Keegan Murray just because of the personnel that they have yeah. have there. I think uh, with Cunningham and um, Hayes, I think that I think they'll probably go Keegan Murray uh, over Satan Sharp. But to me, like I said, Satan Sharp wouldn't even be in there. Like Satan Sharp, I would have to be down at eight nine or something before I start thinking about taking Satan Sharp because you just don't know. I mean, those guys have proven it on, on, on a higher level than he has. So, but but it's going to be interesting. That's why I think. And David and I have talked about this on, on the on the podcast that this this draft is going to be really intriguing because outside of the top four, I mean, you have a lot of guys like all the way down from from five to twenty, like guys that could go anywhere. So you don't when you're looking at the Grizzlies down there at twenty two, you don't know who's going to be there, who's not going to be there. There could be guys that you think are going to be there or not, and guys that you don't expect to be there that are. So I think that's why that's what's going to make this draft really fun. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to see a guy like Dalen Terry because of his age and his length. And, you know, you haven't seen a, a ton from him. But, you know, Primo was a guy that that shot yeah, way up the – was my know, guy last year. Uh, like, it was almost like nobody saw him going that early in the draft. And then the Spurs were like, you know, hey, this is our guy. So it wouldn't surprise me if one of these teams is not eyeing a guy like Daylon Terry. So you're going to see guys on draft night that you don't expect to fall. You're going to see them fall for whatever reason. Um but I saw one of the, the draft analysts last year. He said it's beginning to get that time where you see a lot of smoke and mirrors in the draft and you see names getting pushed up draft boards and you see names that maybe don't deserve to get pushed up draft boards getting pushed up draft boards. And that's because teams are like leaking information or whatever. And so I just, you know, I, I, I this is a shout out to everybody like, don't buy in just because if you have not heard of a guy, if you've been studying this draft at all, and and all of a sudden you hear this dude like rushing up into the first round, don't just jump on that train because everybody else is, because sometimes you will get that type of smoke because, uh, you know, a team leaked a workout or something of that nature. So be careful, shield yourself. Well, I mean, but, I, I feel that way about Dale and Terry. <laughs> I don't, I don't see it with him. I know. I, man, I think, ain't no Terry, man. Yeah, I, I love saying Terry. I, I'm not saying it, I'm not saying that he he is like what what did Primo like t- tell me in his freshman year? Like he he didn't really do anything spectacular. No, his freshman no, he didn't even year. He, he didn't even do much as Terry did. Um, yeah. you could just see the length and, and and some of the the measurables there that made you think this guy could be lead prospect. That's why I liked him so much because I felt like. You looking at upside guys in the draft? I mean, he was one of the, the guys with the biggest upside there, just because of that link. Um, and, and I still think he's going to end up being a really good player. But it, it just depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for a guy that's going to step in day one and be able to, to, to be a, a, a player for your rotation player, Dayton Terry is probably not that guy. But you look two, three years down the line, and you think he's a guy where you could possibly catch lightning in a bottle and end up far outperforming where you draft. And, and the Grizzlies have we've kind of been able to key in on guys. That's why if they take a guy like that, I have full confidence in them uh, because it, it's worked out for them. And I think they have a, a eye for talent. But Terry is a guy I think that at that size with point guard skills just really intrigues me. I mean, I can understand someone not liking them because the production isn't there. Uh, so you have to project long-term with a guy like that. So I, I like him. But again, man, if, if somebody doesn't, I can understand why you would like more proven guys over him. Yeah. I mean, I've heard talk that he's possibly going to be in the lottery and, and I, I I don't know. I think people are trying to copy the Scotty Barnes 
method, you know, that worked out so well. Um, but because I've also been hearing Peyton Watson is moving up and he's going to be a big name in the draft. And I mean, he didn't do anything this year. <laughs> like If you just have the size and frame, they're just going to take you high over guys that are more deserving. And sometimes it's going to work out. Sometimes it's not. It's just all about the confidence in your GM, your team, your coach. And we'll see what happens. You know, a lot of teams, there's not a lot of Memphis Grizzlies out there. That's all I can say. A lot of teams <laughs> will, will fail at this, but we will see what happens. Yeah, man, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, this year I feel like, you see it every year, but I feel like there's a lot, feels like a lot more Betty, than even normal this year. Like, there are guys that were went from, possibly not even on board. So now they're talking about being up in the first round and mm -hmm. middle of the first round. I mean, it's a lot of that this year. So we'll see how it plays out, but I think we're going to see a lot of crazy stuff. I also think this is a draft where you can see a lot of movement. I think there could be trades in this draft as well. I, I think it's going to be a fun draft. Um, like, like I said, top four, I think that's a lot, but outside of that, man, I think you can see all kinds of stuff going on and I'm excited about it. Oh yeah. It's getting a little bit late on the East Coast. We're we're keeping Will up well past his bedtime. His wife's going to get on to him. But before <laughs> we let him get out of here, we, we got to talk about the uh, the elephant in the room. These guys are on the complete opposite side. You know, Isaac made it clear Chet would not be in his top four <laughs> if he was not consensus. Will is kind of in, in the same manner said that, you know, he is, uh, you know, Chet is four by a long shot. So, so let's have that discussion. This is something each of us have kind of went back and forth and, and, you know, Isaac and I through DM and then Will and I on somebody else's tweet the other day going back and forth. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to throw a curveball at you guys before you start bashing this man. I want to hear four positive things about Chet before you get into Oh, man, I got to come up with four. Man, four is a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a lot. I'm man. <laughs> see how they're doing me? You see how? All right, I'll take it. How about oh, Isaac you... gets two and I get two? How about that? Uh, four combined. All right, I I'll take it. No no, uh, no doubles, though. We got to have four different things. So. Oh, man, that's going to make it tough, man. You got to do double, I guess. Well, I mean, I, got, I guess I'll go first. I guess I'll go first then. Uh, <laughs> Since, since I'm the guy, I'm probably the most negative on him. <laughs> um, I guess, I mean, before, I mean, for a seven-footer, obviously he's not, he's, he's, he's not a, a, a plotter. Like, he can move, I think. And when people call him a unicorn, I think that's kind of what they see. They see a seven-footer that, that's not slow-footed. He can move a little bit. He can put the ball on the floor. And he can knock down threes. So I think those are the positives for me. Uh, the fact that I get that he can, he can move and he can – he blocking block shots because obviously it's the number one thing. I think that's a skill that will translate. But outside of that, I have a lot of questions on on his offensive abilities and will they translate? Because I just think physical physicality wise, I think it's gonna take a lot of the things that he does well. I don't I don't think he's gonna be able to perform them in the NBA because it's just it's just gonna be too physical for him. Um, but I think the shot blocking will will translate. And again, man, he can put the ball on the floor. And and do a little bit there, but outside of that, man, I'm I'm just not sold on it. Isaac done all the heavy lifting for you, Will. He gave you four <laughs> things right there. So let's <laughs> but go. Let's I mean, I, I don't hate shit. I just don't think it's gonna work. You know, if you want to think of a comparison, you know, I know y'all hate this comparison, but I mean, I I don't see much difference in him and Bo Bo 
Except I don't either. Right. Except for whole bowls, it's pretty much better than Chet at everything. So, yeah. So, yeah, I, mean, I agree. And we, you know, we haven't really seen Bobo truly get a shot in the NBA. So who knows? He could work out. Because Bobo but... has no motor, bro. That like that. That's the difference between there. There's more than just that. He's but... never put. He weighs sixteen pounds more than John Morant. Like I put that tweet out a couple of weeks ago, and people were like, "That's a true statement." Like I'm not exaggerating. Yeah, I mean, that's a it, true statement. It, it, so- it sounds crazy, <laughs> and I get it. Like he's got a small frame. I will never sit here and tell you not to have concerns about Chet because is there a chance that he flops? A hundred percent. There's not a guarantee in the top four picks. You can go back over. At, I actually had a list of all of the first round, like the first overall draft picks pulled up a, a little bit ago. And, and you can run through that list. And there are a number of guys that went one overall that were garbage in the NBA. So is there a chance that he flops? Yeah, there are bust, however, you, whatever you want to call it. There is that chance. But the difference that like the biggest difference between him and Bobo is the motor. Bobo on the defensive end, when you watch him in college, he did not give a flying flip. He would block shots because he's 11 foot tall and got a 47 foot wingspan, but he didn't lock in down there. They, and when he would go to on the offensive end and not get the ball, he would get upset. You would see his emotions out there on the floor, and you don't see that type of stuff with Chet. Chet is a far better playmaker than Bobo was in college. I would love to see Bobo. I actually, when the Grizzlies traded back up into the first round and they took Brandon Clark, I remember because we went to – they had an MVP draft party at the Forum and we were there for the John Morant stuff, and it, it was a good time. We were up uh, actually in the, the foyer, and we were watching on one of the big screens, and they're like, a trade has occurred. The Memphis Grizzlies should trade up. I'm like, they're taking Bobo. They're taking Yeah, Bobo. that's the like, same I was, thing I thought. That's I was what I was hoping for. freaking out. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, he's still here. on the board. They're going to yep. take him. And, and they didn't. And, I, you know, I can't say that I'm disappointed that they didn't because Brandon Clark has worked out pretty well for the Grizzlies. But like Chet, Chet's ability, I agree that they're both tall. I agree that both guys can put the ball on the floor. Both guys can shoot. There are a lot of similarities in their game. But outside of them being tall, being able to dribble, and being able to shoot the ball, like that's it. Like and blocking shots, both because they're long. A guy that big is going to be able to block shots. Is he going to be able to handle the physicality of the NBA? I have no idea. You know, we'll have to see. I will say this. He he has handled physicality at the highest level for his age group throughout his life. AAU, you know, circuit prep level. West Coast, West Coast like, Conference. Like, and I get it, man. But even, even <laughs> D1, even like D1 players are elite basketball players. If you have the talent to play on a D1 team, you're an elite basketball player. And if you have the talent to get to the NBA – whatever is above a elite, that's where you are. And so I, I know that the conference was weak and I know that he wasn't in there banging with, with the big man. You know, there wasn't really a big man to talk about in the West coast conference other than Chet. So like, yeah, there's definitely going to be concerns about him, but he's got a high basketball IQ. His defensive instincts are strong. He can stretch the floor and he, right. he, we'll played, see. he played inside the system at Gonzaga. He was fourth 
on the pecking order whenever it comes to that team as far as playmaking. So I Isaac, don't feel Isaac, like Isaac, don't just sound like a lot of excuses. It, it, you know, it does. We're definitely going to delve into this a lot as time goes on because I got a lot of stuff here that we can delve into, man. It's too late tonight to get into all of this, but man, a, a we, list we of can, we, we, we can got hash a it out on Twitter later, but <laughs> yeah, like, but. He, he has. I I will give credit to your concerns about his size and being able to handle the physicality of the NBA, but that he's always played at a high level. And I know Will, one of his, one of the things Will talked about is like how it's easy to block shots when you're the biggest guy on the floor. Exactly. That's what I was. That's what I was. He's saying. still like, going to be one of the biggest guys on the floor. Five percent. I know, but percent of NBA players are seven foot tall. Man, only five. Well, we're we're so, talking weight though. Weight room is what I'm talking about. I I get it, but his wingspan (laughs) is ridiculous, man. Even if they push him off of his spot, he's got the length that he can block them from behind, and and he's going to get in the weight room. There's plenty of guys that have come in the league that have been sticks, not to this level, but that have been small, and then they put on muscle, and they're fine. So I I just – I, I'm not buying into like if him being small is the only thing that you got, man. I'm I'm drafting him a hundred times out of a hundred. The, the magic man. because of their team composition, to me, like he's a slam dunk number one overall pick. Man, well, I have a lot more than that. It's not just because he's small. I definitely have some other reasons. But there's been seven players that were drafted over the last twenty years that were six eleven or tall and weigh less than two hundred fifteen pounds. This is a list: Austin Day. John Henson, Nerlens Noel, Don Maker, Scott Labissier, Jonathan Isaac, and Poku. Those are the seven guys over the last 20 years that have been 6'11 or tall and less than 215 pounds. That's not a good list. I mean, like I said, I know people call him a unicorn, but I just don't know if it works. And the, the perimeter stretching the floor thing, and I got some numbers on this, like I said, but we'll delve into it a little bit more. I don't know if that's going to be the case. I mean, if you look at his shots, he had a nine-game stretch where he shot what do I have down here? 58% from three. Outside of that, he shot like 20 something percent the rest of the year, and almost 60% of his threes came straight on top of the key, and most of those were wide open. When he got closed out on, he didn't shoot the ball well at all. He doesn't shoot the ball from the corner at all, barely shoots the ball from the wing. It's almost exclusively top of the key, and he only shot, I think, one of 10. Um, I mean, there are a lot of crazy numbers on here that, that are not good, and I think his shooting ability, I think, has gotten overblown like I, I don't know if he's going to be a guy that's and in an NBA he's going to need to shoot even more from the perimeter because of his physicality I don't think he's going to be able to score at the rim the way he did in college and I just don't know if he has that ability yes he can knock down a wide open three but I think his shooting ability people talk about he's this long range gunner or something and that's not the case at all like he only shoots threes from the top of the key when he gets closed out on he doesn't have he doesn't blow around guys like when he gets closer out and go to the basket that's not something that he has in his game easier, man. It's just, there's a lot of stuff that even outside of his frame, but I think that's the biggest issue, but there are definitely other things there. I think people talking about this perimeter stuff, man, I, I don't know if I see that. Bro, I saw folks calling Jonas Valanciunas a stretch big last year. If you don't think that Chet Holmgren can shoot the ball better from deep than Jonas Valanciunas, you have lost your damn mind. You've lost your know, mind, man. bro. Like, and it's, I, and it's, I it's form, it's form isn't great either. Like, it's like it takes them a long time to get it off. I just I just don't know if some of this stuff translates. Like, I, I hate to just dog the kid, but I just – I don't know. I mean, he's definitely confident in himself, man. He said he's going to be the best player in the league. So, I guess that's that's what you want. So, uh, we'll, think, we'll see how it works out. But 
I believe Isaac, you said it best right there. That's the question, Mark. Is his game going to translate? We yeah, haven't I, seen it ever happen before. Someone like him that plays like him translate like that. Um, there's a guy that's in this draft as well. He may not, he probably won't even get drafted. Maker, Maker. Yeah, Maker, Maker, yeah. Yeah, Don Maker's brother. He plays similar to Chet. You could say his offensive game is better than Chet. He's not going to get drafted. So I don't, I don't know what the difference is. I don't know why Chet is so highly regarded when there's other players. Um, there's another guy, John, something that's very tall and skinny, like Chet could shoot the lights out with the three. He's just too skinny as well. He's going to be late second round pick, possibly not drafted. I just don't, it's just been no precedent. Not saying he can't do it. There's just no precedent. And obviously, you know, even if he's taller than someone like, he can have trouble scoring on PJ Tucker, who's way shorter than him, because PJ yeah. Tucker makes guys work. He knows how to work his body. So I'm saying, and and Isaac named those guys that were listed under 215 that were seven foot, and honestly, none of those guys really got much bigger than that either. You know, none of them really. No, no one put and, some weight on. Right, but not like not too much, you know. And he uh, wasn't even Noel Chet, Chet was wasn't even Chet team. wasn't even the best player on his own team. Like I mean, that's. Drew Timmy was the best player on that Gonzaga team, and man, that's and I think Drew Timmy protected him a lot. Like I think if he if Drew Timmy wasn't there and you just had Chet playing on the inside and they just had some other guy that wasn't that good playing power forward, I don't think we'd even be having a discussion. I think Drew Timmy protected him a lot, and we're talking about West Coast Conference. Like I just I don't know, man. Like I said, we've just never seen a guy like that translate. I mean, he could he be that unicorn that they call him? Maybe, but I just. I don't know. I got a lot of question marks. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even take him at four. Like I said, I think right. to me, if if I'm taking a guy that high, there's there's questions with everybody. But if I'm taking a guy that high, I don't want to feel like there's just as much of a chance of them being a bust as it is of them being awesome. Like, and I, if somebody told me to bet that he's gonna live up to being a top two pick ever, I would easily bet right now. No, like I'm not saying he's gonna be a complete bust, but I also don't think he'll ever live up to being a top two pick. That's just where I, where I am on it. And if he does go to OKC, you know, they have no help for him. They have no Drew Timmy for him. So at that 12th pick or in free agency, they're going to have to get a center to help him out because it could get ugly if it's just him by himself down there in OKC. Like, I can't even handle the blasphemy right now. We really, <laughs> we, did this man really just on a recording say that Maker Maker has a better offensive game than Chet Holmgren? Maker Maker can do everything Dude, that no. Chet can do. He no. got the little wiggle, turn around, fade away. Maker, Maker could do I everything think, that Chet would do. Man, Chet, then then I, we'd I, be I, talking about him in the top four of this draft. He can't. There's a reason they're talking about Chet and not Maker Maker. I don't know, man. His, his, offensive, game is, his offensive game has just been over overblown to me. When I watch him, a lot of the stuff that he does is mechanical. Like he dribbles really high. It's like not. I'm not going to say he's not competent, in, but it doesn't look smooth. Like when he when he's when he does, they make these moves when he's putting the ball on the floor. He's seven it, it foot in a buck oh five. It's not going to look smooth. Well, and it's not going to look effective. cool when those guards coming in and swiping the ball for away from him either in the NBA. It's not going to look. Yeah, cool. I mean, he but he's not he's not going to be a primary <laughs> ball handler. And if he gets a guard, well, what, what, what is he going to be there? <laughs> like like he's a big. I've heard, he, like, heard kept, he, but he's not. But he can't be a big though. That's the thing. He's not going to be able to be a big in the way that you're a big. And then I don't know if his Shooting you, translates the way people get, think it do either. You get like, what is physical, he going to do? You get a physical player and you let him be your help, help side defender because of his elite shot blocking. 
But what is like he going to do offensively? You, he's going to get buckets. He's going to shoot over the All top right. of people because All of right, his wingspan. He has no like, mid-range game either. No mid-range game at all. Like, he only took, like, I think 13 shots, period, for the mid-range. Like, he has zero mid-range That's range the game. worst analytical shot to take, and you, you're not supposed to take mid-range. You're supposed <laughs> to shoot threes and get in the paint. Like he, that, he went one, he's one of 13 on the season on picking pops. Like, I mean, I, we'll see. I, I just – I don't know, man. I'm out. <laughs> at least he can play defense. You're number one. Your top ranked player can't even spell defense. And and you talking about Chet. Chet can play defense. His defense is going to translate in the NBA. Guarantee it. I think his game is going to translate in the NBA. I ain't even letting Will talk anymore on this show because he really <laughs> said with his whole damn chest that maker maker. I can't, man. But, I can't deal like, with I'm, this. I'm with Will, but like why why is he why is he a projected top two pick? Like I don't I don't understand. There's no precedent for him, for a guy like that to be there. Why is he going to be any different? It, That's what and, I don't understand. It's because of the possibilities. You know, you look at Porzingis. Porzingis is a guy that has that size that is a no, he never, skill he, set. He never weighed 190, though. He came but, in the league probably 222, 30. He wasn't 190. Yeah, I don't like, mean, what, was, what was his draft age, though? How old was Porzingis when he was drafted, right? Because he was playing professionally before they drafted him, wasn't he? I think so, but like I, I don't think he's gonna be. I think Porzingis is like two sixty now, two sixty five. Chet ain't yeah. getting to two sixty five. Like you're not gonna be. He can't put seventy pounds on. Like it's not. It's not happening. Yeah, man. Hey, y'all, I, y'all look up John Butler from Florida State. <laughs> ain't yeah, I know John Butler. Nobody. I don't give. I don't give a flip about John shoot Butler. That thing too. Not a single <laughs> center. Center, nothing. center that can shoot the three. Skinny is all day. Like he's projected to barely get drafted. So. Yeah, I'm just saying. Because he's boo-boo. He ain't Chet. <laughs> I, I think just the possibility of the upside is the reason that Chet is that high. Uh, again, there, there's a possibility that any of these guys could flop. I don't know that it's any higher for him than it is for any of these other guys. I, I honestly don't. You know, there, there's no guarantee. There's guys. And I, you know, I you just go see back this man falling all over the floor. In the ball <laughs> I could just see it. Like I, man. Man, I, like I said, I'm not hating on him, man. It's just I'm just being honest. <laughs> I'm not really hating on him. I just I mean, I mean guy if, weighs if he's flopping all over the floor, he's gonna be just like eighty percent of the other guys in the NBA because flopping <laughs> is a thing right now. It's ridiculous. A flop is the reason the Golden State Warriors are in the finals. So you know. Anyway, I ain't going down that road. We'll wrap it up. Will we appreciate you coming on, man? Yeah, we definitely. will definitely – we'll get you back on once we uh, we get you exposed that Jabari is not the best player in this draft, so we can bust your chops on that too. Let everybody know where they can find you, and uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up and get out of here. It's been fun. Enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. Thank you all so much for having me on. Glad I could be on Stir the Pot a little bit, get on the day again, you know. Well, at least I went by myself on the chat thing tonight, man. That would have been – I knew, I knew it was going down. I had a little double a, team action tonight. So. Uh, right. a, a good host, taking one for the team. NBA draft Twitter, this is for you. I, I am the shield against 2v1, the Chet haters. And I will guarantee you that nobody in their right mind outside of my man Will Harris will say that Maker Maker is better offensively than Chet. I don't get it, man. I don't see it. Write it down, take a picture. But now you. <laughs> oh, but no, 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 hold on, hold on. Before you even. But where did Maker Maker play college ball? Where did he go? He went to Howard. 
Why, yeah. Tell me what conference Howard plays in. You have at, been talking. Like, this this. You've been talking to me about me at, level bro. of competition, and you can say at, maker, maker, and maker, maker. What <laughs> Howard? Howard? Hey, it was similar. Howard, to, it was similar to the guy's chat was going. It was similar to the guy's chat was going. Get out of here! Get out of here! <laughs> Look, tell everybody where they can find you so I can mute you and kick you out of my show, man. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, but you can check me out on Twitter at William Isbill. And I have the podcast, the All Rookie Podcast, where I talk, talk about these prospects, you know, up until they get drafted. And then once they're drafted, I talk about them throughout the rest of the year because most of the time, everyone's talking about these prospects. But once the draft is over, season starts, 90% of them are forgotten. But they are all important. A lot of them doing the good things, especially to help playoff teams like Zaire. You know, he's a guy that doesn't get talked about on every yeah. day. All rookie him. teams know, but we're not gonna get up. We're not gonna get into that. <laughs> we're not gonna see him on Sports Center, but I'll be talking about him. So check me out the All Rookie Podcast. I appreciate you guys. Yes, sir. Thank, thanks again, man. Yeah, I, I love what Will does. He his breakdowns I, I love it man he talks about the guys that are going in the g league the things that they're doing in the g league and these are rookies that if you are a draft twitter guy you you watch film on them you read about it, you write stuff on them all the way up until the draft and then once they get drafted if they're not on a main roster and they're not in a big city and getting all this hype he's right they kind of fade away will keeps them in the spotlight so i appreciate what he does i appreciate his draft coverage even though he's crazy I, I I will never trust anything that he says again after that maker maker comment. But go and check him out again. He he's on Twitter at William is Bill. Our show, this is the Ethos Grizzlies podcast. We're on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at David W2111. Isaac, the other crazy man, is gonna tell you where you can find him and get us out of here. Man, definitely thankful. Thanks for Will for jumping on here with us, man. Definitely, definitely enjoyed having you on here. Though at least at the two vote versus one on the chat on. We're definitely Definitely not the last of the Ted Holmgren conversation here on the Ethos Quiz podcast. I can promise you that, man. But you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals. That's I-S-A-A-C underscore Rivals, man. We'll be back later in the week breaking down more prospects. Definitely going to continue to have special guests here throughout the draft the process. So make sure you look out for that. That is still Grizzly. This week you find us. Until next time, we go. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.